0: First, of a very brief two week look at relationships between parents and their adult children. And if you remember, I kind of qualified it to say if you either have no kids or your kids are teenagers, then you're the people in the younger generation I'm talking about. And if you have parents, if you, have, if you are a parent with children in that age group, 20s, 30s, possibly even 40s then you're in that older generation. And we talked last week about some of, the, some of the tensions that can come up between those generations, even when both are Christians. And we talked about how a couple of the flashpoints, especially uh, giving and receiving advice between generations. It's a good thing, but sometimes we can come from edit from such different perspectives that there's a the temptation to, as we saw in Proverbs, to come to even despise the counsel that comes from us from another generation, to think that we don't need it and they don't have the answers we need. Um, But we talked about treating our older parents and grandparents as honored friends, not just as an inconvenience. We also talked about how to deal with standards that are different between generations, things that were off-limits for your parents or grandparents but maybe that you see as perfectly okay. Okay. And we saw from Romans 14 how both generations can be right, can be convinced in their own mind, pursuing godliness, and they don't have to come in conflict with one another over applications of biblical principles. But we ended last week looking at the gospel, at how the gospel can alter our relationships with our family members, how it infuses that with a different goal, It's not just about making our children or our parents into our image. Smoothing out their rough edges so that they look more like us. It's more easy for us to deal with them. We talked about helping them to grow in Jesus' image. And I particularly emphasized the focus towards the younger generation. Those who have older parents. Who want to be involved in their lives and how we interact with them and how we maintain a gospel-centered focus. And right from the beginning, the first person I thought of when I thought about splitting this up and having someone from the older generation teach the next week was Mike Garner. Mike is one of our deacons. He has been for a long time. Many of you know Mike actually was in full-time ministry in Canada for a few years, and the Lord has put him through many different valleys and mountains in his life to bring him to where he is today. So, special delivery from Florida is Mike Garner, and I hope you are interested and ready to hear what he has to say on this topic.
1: Thank you, Zach. It's good to be here. When Zach did ask me a couple of months ago to consider doing this, trying to see if the schedules would work and all, uh, my first reaction was it's something I'd always wanted to talk about, or uh, I wanted, matter of fact, I'd told people in the past, you know. Somebody needs to write a book on this. This is, you know, I taught children's lessons or series on how to raise your young children, but very little out there on how to raise your adult children. You know, the the one book that I gleaned from is "You Never Stop Being a Parent." It's just different stages of parenting, and I also knew that if I was able to do this when the schedules would work, that I would be the one that would learn the most because the teacher is always the one that learns more than the ones you're, you're speaking to. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. I'm thankful for the, the subject. As, uh, as he said, uh, one of the things uh, last week, I listened to his message, and uh, great job, very passionate about the subject. If you weren't here last week, I would highly recommend that you go in on our website and, and listening to it or recommending it to other people. As a matter of fact, I put it on the Facebook for some people that I know that may be uh, interested. It's just not a lot of information out there about this subject. As he said, we've had to kind of narrow it down. Uh, there's, uh, some, uh, there are some books out now that, that are helpful. This being one, You Never Stop Being a Parent, Thriving in a Relationship with Your Adult uh, Children. Uh, we'll probably get some of these in our library or to where you can buy them. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll put this one in the library after I, my wife and I are done with it. I've decided that we are going to use this book as kind of a Bible study ourselves. do a chapter, discuss it, and uh, because we are in the midst of raising an adult son who's 31 years old, an adult daughter-in-law, which we are responsible for too, a great daughter-in-law, and also a uh, almost three-year-old grandson uh, that we are responsible for too now. We're thankful that for many years, when our son moved away to go to college and never came back, some of you had that opportunity before, our relationship was kind of different because, yeah, he's an adult son, but he's gone all the time. And uh, now that we're there all the time, things have, have changed a lot. And so I hope the things that are brought out today that you'll be able to apply in your situation. Let me ask a question as we get going, a couple of questions. How many of you here have adult children? And I say adult out of high school. Okay, good number. How many of you have uh, younger children? Let's see your hand. Okay. How many of your adult parents are still alive? Let's see your hand. Okay. So we have within this midst here the people that we're hitting. If you're here and none of those, you couldn't raise your hand on any of them, I still believe the Word of God is set the way that even though we're going to be applying certain areas, that you can still use these principles to apply in other relationships that you have in your life. Uh, The Bible says much about being in relationship uh, with one another. Now, I was raised in a dysfunctional family. My dad made a lot of bad choices, but I'm not going to go into all those today. I'm not here to talk about my family. Matter matter of fact, I'm going to talk very little, hopefully, uh, about my family. That's not what it's all about. But as I have gotten older and realize that I believe that every family is dysfunctional to some degree. Every family, Christian or unchristian, is dysfunctional to a certain degree. And why do I say that? Well, the very first family in the Bible, had Adam and Eve, and they had some children. And what happened in that very first family? One of the brothers killed the other brother. I mean, that's pretty dysfunctional. That's how the first family started. We have Jesus himself. We've told in the Bible that he had siblings and they were jealous of him. And Jesus had a stepfather, Joseph, who it seems like might have left the family. He could have died. We're not told in scripture, but we're told some things about him early on. We see him and Jesus is 12 years old and then we never hear about him again. So people have speculated that maybe he just couldn't stand the pressure. And even Jesus was... Raised in a dysfunctional family. I submit that every family is dysfunctional because we're made up, they are made up of sinners. Now, Jesus, of course, never sinned, but he was part of a family that had sinners in it. And because of that, only by the grace of God do we have any families that bring honor and glory to himself. I think that's important it's the grace of God. You know, some of us that maybe feel like we just did a great job raising our kid, you know, and everything just going well. If that's true, praise the Lord. But remember, only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. It's not me, it's Him. And that's so important for us as we look at these things. Now I read I read quite a bit, as I said, in preparing for this. And in this book right here, it's funny, I I learned some new terms. You know, you're never too old to learn. It was interesting last week that Zach kept talking about some years. He talked about 2013 and and, and he used uh, 1983, I believe, and all the way back to 1953 he talked about. Why he picked 1953? I don't know. That's the year I was born. But uh, I'll be 60 this year if you do the math. But there were some terms that I learned that I'd never heard of before. Uh, I heard the word Twixter. Twixter, that, they, they define that as somebody that's like in between. You know, in between being an adult, still wanting to be a child. Another one, instead of adolescence, they used adultolescence. Those are those, you know, 20, 30 year olds that, you know, they should be adults, but they're holding on. They're holding on. Kid adults. K-I-D-U-L-T-S, Kid Adults. Again, that's a, a, something that's really happening right now. It's, it's like these people, as they grow up, they, they had it made growing up, and they don't want to change. They don't want the responsibility. What do we you know, what do, we do with those, uh, to help those children move on? This one I had heard of before. The Australians use a lot boomerang kids. You know, you know a boomerang, you throw it, and you watch it. And it comes back to you. We live in a time where there's a lot of kids that come back. You know, for some for good reasons, and sometimes that's a good thing, but sometimes it's not, and it's it's a it's a tension and can be a trial. Here's a British acronym that's uh, that was suggested called Kippers, K I P P E R S, Kippers. That stands for Kids and Parents' Pockets Eroding Retirement Savings. <laughs> that's interesting, Kippers. <laughs> So those are some things that I've already uh, picked up on and some new terms. But the scriptures that we're going to be looking at are Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 32, if you want to turn there in your Bible. Ephesians 4, 25 and 32. And as I was trying to figure out, you know, what you know, I was going to say and, and uh, what the Lord wanted me to... Verses, uh I know Zach had some jumping off uh, scriptures that he kind of used. And, and uh, really to see that maybe we should make this not as difficult as we try to. And a lot of dealing with our adult children, it's the same as, it's no different than other relationships, you know, but except we're more intense because they're so close to us. But I was uh, driving, driving down the road one day, listening to one of the Christian radio stations down in where I live. And uh, there's a show called Insight for Living by Charles Swindoll and I, I've read several of his books, maybe you have too. And I enjoy listening to him. He's a very interesting speaker. But he was happened to be speaking on a series on raising a family. And the one I happened to turn on to was dealing with adult children. And these are the scriptures he was dealing with, Ephesians 4, 25, and 32. Now, I was in the car. I, only, I got in the middle. I heard a few of the things. But of course, this day and age, the great thing is, what? You go on the internet, you look it up, and you can listen to it again. So if you would like to really get... The full-blown two lessons, uh, May 6th to May 7th is, is where you can find it, insightforliving.com. And I'm going to steal his outline, and, uh, but there's some much more depth that he, would go, he could go into and, and also a much more pleasant speaker to listen to than me. But one of the things he said in the, his time, he said there's some relationship essentials that are always true. And I thought I'd share those first of all. First of all, he said there's no challenge in any family that is impossible. There's no challenge in any family that's impossible. You know, and there's nothing too hard for God, right? I don't care where you're at this morning. We're all in situations, and we've got some situations that we can say, you know, this is just not going to happen. And in our eyes, it may not. But we have a God that is is an expert at dealing with the impossible. And so I don't care how how difficult your situation is. It's not impossible. Secondly, no child of any age is an authority over their parents. No child of any age is an authority over their parents. As as Zach again brought out last week, you know, as a child grows up, the relationship changes. You know, the children that are younger are told to obey their parents in the Lord. That is a command that... that that ends eventually as they go on their own. But there's also the Bible says that we are to honor and respect our parents. That's a command that never ends. And they are the authority. We're to honor and respect them, even if the parents may not deserve it. Even if the parents do not deserve it. I'll speak a little bit more of that a little bit later. No person in the family is independent of the other family members. No person in the family is independent of other family members. When we do things right, that affects our family in a positive way. When we do things wrong, when we're disobedient to God and do things we shouldn't, that affects our family in a negative way. So we're not an island under ourselves. God has made us, he's designed us to be in relationship, to be in relations. And our family relation is very important. And then lastly, no issue or problem should be dealt with in the flesh, in our carnality. We need God's help. Again, it's only by the grace of God we are what we are. I'm a Christian. It's because of God's grace that he loved me. I didn't go out and find him. He found me. When I was yet a sinner, I was nothing to love, and he loved me. Anything that I am is to his honor and his glory. Now, Ephesians four twenty-five and 32, as a matter of fact, there's, at verse 25, it says, Therefore, and whenever you read therefore, you want to go back and see what it's there for. So you need to read up a little higher. So I'm going to start reading at verse number 17. So you can follow along. We'll read the entire portion of scripture. Paul's speaking here. So I tell you this and insist on this in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Paul is using the word Gentile here as, as, as often used in scripture as unbelievers. He's talking to believers. He's talking to a church. He says, you were like this, now you're changed. You've been born again. They are, he talks about them. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. There's a great definition of an unsaved person right there. You know, we, under, we are Christians and we're somebody not saved and we're under why do they do that? Because of this. Their heart's hardened. Their mind, they just don't think straight. They've not been quickened. They've not been made alive. Verse 19 having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are all full of greed that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in jesus you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful nature desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So he tells them what's happened in their life as believers, and therefore he now is going to give them some specific things that they need to do. And these things we start as we read in verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor, and for all the members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what that, it, that may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, and I heard Dr. Swindoll go through these verses. These are verses I'm very familiar with, you're very familiar with. I'd preached messages on them. I had read it many times. I attempted to memorize parts of them. So there, it, is, it was uh, something familiar. But using him in the area of dealing with relationships of our adult children, he took you know, a little different slant to that. And sometimes, again, as Zach said last week, we make things too difficult. You know, We always want something new under the sun, when really something old under the sun will work just fine. These things here, practice in our relationships, will benefit immensely. There are six that he suggested. We're not going to be able to spend a lot of time on each one, of course. as I've got a phone up here for my watch. We've got to get this clock fixed. Wow, that's, it's quarter to two, so everybody's thinking it's time to eat. You know, I've got to have a, a watch nearby. I got rid of my watch when I retired. You know, I didn't want to have any old white thing there showing. when I took it off. So, but, uh, but I do have my phone here to catch up uh, what time it is. But he at six. I'm going to add one that he kind of just used as a sub-point in this. So the first one we read is what the Bible says here is, speak the truth. He put these in really commands of two words. The first one being speak truth. The Bible says, don't lie, speak the truth. And in dealing with our relationships with our, our adult children, and again, if you're, these are going to also go the other way. If you're relating to your, as a child, adult child of dealing with your parents, you can apply these just as well. But we need to not fail to communicate our honest advice and speak the truth in love. We can be tempted to lie at times to keep the peace. A lot there. Speak the truth. What do you mean, Mike? Well, there's times in family situations that can get tense. You know, we all have our way of maybe doing things, a way, uh, you know, way we should do certain things and you know, how you raise children, how you, you know, the, the things you can, a liberty you have in Christ to do certain things and maybe some other people don't. But we need to speak the truth. And what do you mean by that? Well, there's some areas that we need to make sure that we just don't sulk back. And even though this is a right principle, that we just let it go. Now, the key to this is is having wisdom of knowing when to talk and when not to talk. Because some of the things, there's some things that are truth that, you know, we're talking about things of the Bible, principles that are dead. This is it. I mean, this is a principle. There's no debate on it. And then somebody starts kind of cutting away at it and saying, well, maybe this isn't the way it is. No, no. We have to stand for that. But where we get in trouble is where we get in these gray areas of how you do things, how you apply things, and are more... Uh, not so much principles as there are, you know, the, the way that we see the Bible interpreted. Uh, or not, shouldn't say the way the Bible interpreted, but the, uh, the areas that are not, you know, they're gray areas. You know, you can be a Christian and do this. Maybe one Christian can, but another Christian can't. We have to be able to delve through those and know when to speak, when not to speak. Speaking the truth, and the key is speaking the truth in love. You know, as we get older, you know, we're, we got all this wisdom, don't we? You know, and, and I don't care. My son's 31 now, but he's not as wise as me because I've been around the block a lot more times than he has. But we have to be careful not to be overbearing, not to looking, uh, you know, to preach a sermon every time we turn around the corner with him, being wise and speaking the truth. We want to speak the truth, but be wise when we do it. To go along with that, the next verse talks about in your anger do not sin. Now the old King James, I like it. It says, be angry, sin not. Interesting verse because it goes on to tell us that we can be angry and not sin. Angry is not sin. But many times we as sinners take our anger and what we do with it. We sin. We take it the next step. So there's nothing wrong, being, it's, it's not a sin to be angry. There's a thing called righteous indignation. There are some things that we need to be angry about. Uh, Mr. Swindoll put it this way. He said we need to be passionate. And I like that because I think that's clear what we're talking about here. There are some things in, in life that we need to be passionate about. Now some of you here, you may be like me. You're passionate about the Detroit Tigers or the Detroit Red Wings. You know, Friday night when Valverde came in, you know, served up a couple of gopher balls and all of a sudden they sure win as a loss. You know, I got a little irate about that. I was a little upset. Not so much that I was calling the radio station and saying fire Jim Leland like other people are. But no, I I enjoy sports. I get passionate about them. But if we can be passionate about things like that, how much more should we be passionate about our families? Passionate. Things that we want to see happen. Good things. To see God honored and glorified in our life. We need to, the opposite of being passionate is is being passive. And I think too many of us are passive in our family lives. You know, it's like, oh well, what can I do? You know, I'm just me and they're just going to do what they're going to do anyway. It doesn't matter. No. We need to be passionate we need to, when we see sin, we need to be upset about sin. You know, you see something on TV and, and all the crazy stuff that goes on. It's why we can't watch the news too much because we'll get overbalanced in that. And we see what sin does and the results it does. It should upset us that sin is like that. And then be thankful that God has done a work in our life, that that sin is not held to our account anymore personally. Be passionate Don't be passive. Passivity is an enemy uh, in these areas. Thirdly, he says there, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have, something to share with others in need. Now the principle here again is, is dealing with relationships and the time that there was a lot of people, not much different than today, that just would take other people's generosity and take advantage of it. There's people who would say, well, why do I need to go work when so-and-so here is a good person? He'll help me out. And so I'll just kick back and have a good time and go on their generosity to help me. And so even in the early church, we had problems with people not willing to work, you know, not willing to do their part, not only to meet their own needs, but have enough to help others who are in need, not others that are just freeloading, but others that are really in straits. And some catastrophes coming in their way and they need some help. So we see this really here as as uh, you know, the need to work, but in applying this scripture I took a little different look in dealing with how we steal from our adult children. What are some of the ways that we steal from our adult children? Well, we can steal from them by Stealing their freedom to make decisions on their own. When we seek to control them. And this really is not just when it gets to be an adult. This really starts earlier. When your child, I was just talking to somebody, their child's, boy uh, boy's just turning eighth grade now. It's really starting right now. They have to start taking on responsibility. It isn't like they graduate from high school. The light goes on and they were very unresponsible and now they're responsible. It's a process. And we as parents need to realize that process, and we need to be start letting them have responsibility. You say, "You don't know my son, you don't know my daughter. It doesn't matter. They have to have they have to learn responsibility, and we have to give them the freedom to learn it. We need to teach our children to be responsible for the journey they are on in this world. When I, when I teach young. A, a young kid discipline, one of the things I always say at the very beginning is if, really if we could do this right, <clears throat> is I would take my little little guy and you take your little guy and we switch. I raise yours, you raise mine. You say, well, why? Because we think a lot straighter when it's with somebody else that we don't love as much. And sometimes we love our children so much that we don't do what's right for them. What are we doing? We are raising them to to grow up and hopefully honor the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of that, they will honor us in doing that. So we need to be able to allow our children to have responsibility. Sometimes we do this as they grow up by not letting them suffer the consequences for their actions. We all know that kind of parent, don't we? You know, their little Jimmy never does wrong. Sorry if there's any Jimmys out here. I just, that just came on my mind. I, I remember seeing on TV this week, and it's on all the time. Here we have some, some person who's being, being said that they've committed some terrible crime. I think the one I just saw recently was one that was involved in these bombings and things. And he interviewed the parent. And you hear the parent say this. No, that's not my child. My child could never do that. My child would never do that. And you know what? That, that parent is deceived. Because each one of us, saved or unsaved, are still capable of the grossest sin possible. Again, only by the grace of God. And we need to realize that. We would like to think our child would never do that, but we are undermining how terrible sin is, and where a progression can lead to. We need to let them suffer the consequences consequences of their sin. This can be happen when they're in high school age, when you know we, as parents, are the you know fix it all. We're going to take care of everything. Oh, you got a problem at school? Man, I'm in there. I'm going to take care of this problem. Adults. Our children are adults. Man, we don't want to see them suffer. We don't want to see them make, they made a bad decision. Why should they have to suffer so much for that bad decision? And again, there's some wisdom in here. There are some times we need to intervene. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes God allows consequences come through that's going to teach them things. I'm thankful in my life, the things I learned by consequences of my actions. I didn't learn all of them. I probably should have, but I learned a few. Then we see number four as we hurry along. It says there in verse number 26, in your anger do not sin. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We need to go down for it. Number 29, verse number 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which may benefit those who listen. Unwholesome words. Boy, this is a tough, tough verse to apply to our lives. You know, out of the heart speaks the mouth, doesn't it? And when we're dealing with, you know, hot topics and relationship things, the words we say are so critical. This unwholesome word can take in a lot of things. It can take in cursing, threatening our children, making sarcastic comments that are hurtful, uh, the King James calls it unwholesome talk or corrupt communication. Swindoll, in his lesson, used these two words for here because a lot of times we take those things right there and we do this with it. He said, stop yelling. Stop yelling. There is a time to yell at your children. There's getting ready to run out in front of a car and a car's coming down the road. Stop! What are you doing? Getting their attention. But most of the yelling that parents do to younger children and older children is hurtful. It'll cause our children to disrespect us and provoke our children to wrath. I read somebody this week that had a blog and they're in the midst of 330 straight days. They got younger children. Without yelling at their children, and keeping track of it, how many days would you go? How long has it been? God can help us overcome that. We need to stop yelling at our kids, and when you when you feel like you're you're ready to blow, you know the kid did something, and you just don't step back. Don't deal with it right then. Get control of yourself first. Number five, as we hurry along that it may benefit those who listen. In the King James, it talks about here about it may minister grace to the hearers. And here we want to use the two words, give grace. Give grace when dealing with our adult children. Adult children will make mistakes. Adding shame to their guilt does not resolve the problem. It drives them away from you. What do you mean by that, Mike? Well, if they marry, in your eyes, the wrong person, and they break up, it's not the time to say what? I told you so. I told you that was the wrong person. You wouldn't listen. They're not at the point where they need a sermon right there. It's not about you. It's about them. And they're hurting. And they're suffering the consequences of something that, that the choices that they've made, maybe. We need to resist the temptation to preach sermons at this time. If you're in their eyes, they're buying more than they can afford, don't preach, pray. This is dealing with our adult children. But don't enable them either. You know, if it's coming to you ask for money because they're spending too much, hey, I'm sorry. I would even go as far as, you know, don't co-sign for loans. I, I think that's a scriptural thing for anybody um, not to do that. But in your eyes... Maybe they're choosing the wrong friends that are going to have a bad influence. They're adults. They're free to choose what they want to choose. And parent, haven't you done some of those same things? Oh, you say, yeah, I know, but that's why I don't want them to do it because I've learned. I know. My parents told me the same thing. They told me all kinds of things that were so true, but when they told me, I thought they were way out there. We need to give grace when it's time to give grace. Someone has said this, never miss an opportunity to shut up. (laughs) I like that. Never miss an opportunity to shut up. Sometimes the best thing is to bite that tongue and wait and think, get some wisdom before we say. We need to be loving counselors to our children, not prideful know-it-alls. Number six, as we hurry along, as we get into, I'll read uh, verse number um, well, it looks like 31 because it talks about getting rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of mal. These are progression words here. You know, the relationships, as it goes down the line, if, if it's not stopped, it starts getting worse. And because of that, there's a couple of things in verse 32 that we need to do. First of all, we need to be kind. A wise kindness, compassionate, tender-hearted. to Be kind. You know, it's so easy to get those hard words out there, those, those harsh words. But just, you know, when you see a adult child do something right, and they do once in a while, you know, wow, that, that's, that was a great decision you made right there. You know, I think God's pleased with that decision you made there. How did you come to making that decision? Why don't you tell me about it? Listen to them. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And then finally, this is the one I added. He talked about it, but I think it needs its really its own point. Be forgiving. Be forgiving. It says, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Whew. How much did God forgive us through Christ? Whoa, he forgave me a lot. Every sin I've ever committed, and I'm going to commit, he paid for by dying on the cross. And we are to forgive that same way. Two sentences we need to be willing to say and mean, will you forgive me for fill in the blank? Those are hard to say. I hate saying them. I hate asking forgiveness because of my pride. I would rather tell that person, you need to forgive me because, and here's my list. But the Bible says we are to forgive others. The Bible says we are going to forgive our enemies and love our enemies. I mean, that's not how I would have wrote the Bible. I don't, you know, I'm a sinner. I, I don't like that part. But no, we are to forgive. We need to say, I forgive you for fill in the blank." You know, I told you I wasn't going to use a lot of personal illustration, but I, I want to bring this one out. As I said, my dad did a lot of kind of not very good things in his lifetime, abandoned his family. And over the years, he was gone a lot. I didn't have much a relationship with him. But I got in my 20s and I started studying the scripture. I realized that some things that I was doing against my dad were hurting me. You see, I was bitter. I was angry and didn't really know it until it kind of God laid it out to me. And all those things he had done, I'd gone through in my mind and the Lord kind of laid on my heart to write him a letter. Again, we weren't close. He was in another state. And the letter was not so much for him as it was for me. And I went through the letter and I wrote the things that I or told him that I forgive him. I didn't go through and name all the things he had done. He's smart enough to know that. But I just told him because of I'm a Christian that me harboring these things and holding these things in is not what God would have me to do. And would you forgive me for feeling this way towards you because he's my dad. I'm supposed to respect him. I'm supposed to honor him. And I wanted to do that. And so I was able to do that, and it, it, was, it was very beneficial to me. Now, I would like to say and my dad read that, and my dad just responded back, and we talked. No, he never acknowledged that I sent a letter to him. But see, that's okay, because that's not why I sent him the letter. When I was able to be with him a several more times before he died after that, I could be around him and love him as my dad. What was he holding on to? The times I was around him, what I always sensed was guilt. The guilt that he couldn't get rid of on his own. And I was able to have a relationship. I still love him because he's my dad. This is who God chose to be my dad. And I say that because forgiveness is more about us than it is the other person. It's more about us than the other person. Just in a couple of minutes I have left, just a few different things I just want to throw out. These were things I just kind of wrote down as they came to me as I was thinking about what I was going to say uh, this week. I'm not going to say much on each one at all. Be sensitive to teaching situations. Be sensitive to teaching situations with our adult kids. The best teaching situations will not be in a room with a desk, with a, us on a chair on each side. It's going to be in the everyday lives as we ask questions, as they ask questions, and look for those opportunities. You are not ultimately responsible for your son's and daughter's choices or actions. Remember that. They are adults. They are responsible. Don't beat yourself up. Oh, if I just would have been a better parent. Hey, we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But ultimately, it comes to the point, a, they are an adult. And those are not your responsibility. You pray for them. You love them. They're your kids. But don't take their guilt and their shame for their choices. Do not take your adult children's responsibility and make them yours. You cannot fix every situation in your child's life. Can't do it. Only by the grace of God. Go to God. Go to God. Do not be an enabler to your children, to your adult children. I already talked about that a little bit. That book goes much more in detail into that. Ask for God's wisdom on when you intervene into a situation in your adult children's lives and when not to. Ask for wisdom. We are not God, so we do not always know what is best for our children. You know the old TV show, Father Knows Best? Sorry, he doesn't. God knows best. And what's going on in their lives seems like this is not the right thing. We have to trust the one who knows everything and makes no mistakes. Be assured that your actions speak louder than your words. Do not seek to get your identity from your adult children pastor just got through doing a series on identity i was able to go through the notes and good stuff there you know i i went through the identity when my son was in high school you know he was a pretty decent athlete so i was jared's dad you know i'm sure i'm going to be you know referred to as levi's grandpa here pretty soon that's all right but that's not my identity i'm a child of the king i'm his that's my identity these other things are things that maybe the Lord's allowing me to do, but we get our identity in Christ and what he's done for us. And then finally, pray for your adult sons and daughters. Pray for wisdom and God's grace in your family relationships. Pray for them. You say, That's, yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, right. I don't pray enough for my son. You know, that God would use him That's really the key. It's not about him being the right son so I can set back and say, didn't I do a great job? No. My goal, my desire is to see my son, my daughter-in-law, my grandson. Some of you are dealing with adult grandchildren already to honor and glorify God. That's the most important thing in life. Let's pray together. Father, we pause. We thank you again for the great God that you are. Father, as we've gone through these truths from your word, very simple truths, but often very hard to apply in our lives. Father, we all, I can say, have made mistakes in these areas we've talked about. We thank you that you are a forgiving God. But may we that have made mistakes toward other relationships, may we be willing to make mistakes those right the way you would have us to. Every situation is different, Lord. There's no cookie cutter. We need wisdom on when to say what, how to say what, how to do it. But God, we know that you'll supply that to us if we asked. May you take each situation here. You know each family here better than anything. And I pray that as Satan continues to attack our institutions, the home, that we would be passionate about defending and realizing that it's important, it's worth our time. It's not all about us, it's about others. We love you today, Lord. Thank you again for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless, you are dismissed.